You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul, here live at the High FM studios on this Tuesday, the 30th of October, the 21st of Cheshvan, 2018. There is, unfortunately, so much to talk about. We're still within 72 hours of that terrible attack in Pittsburgh where 11 Jews were killed, injuries, hatred, and I'll be honest, it's been a very, very uh, difficult um, process. I've been having this show on Chai FM for, I think, five years, and during this five years, there's been so many different um, tragedies that somehow took over the narrative. I remember when we were running Chai FM shows during the attacks, which unfortunately recently restarted in South Israel where Gaza was throwing um, missiles. And each time a missile would land, I don't know if you, rem- if you remember this, Chai FM three, four years ago, we would sound an alarm on the radio. And literally, I remember one show where it's probably a dozen times within one hour, we interrupted the show to play the alarm, just to be able to have that vivid experience of what possibly it could mean. Uh, to have an alarm go off in the town that a person lives. Just some form of identity, being able to identify with the people going through the tragedy. And there's been so many attacks, whether it was the attack in France and the attack in Australia and the attack in many attacks in Israel and um, school shootings in the United States, local issues. But uh, to be honest, this one, in some ways, hit very deep. Um, By nationality, I'm an American. I spent the first 25 years of my life, pretty much all of it, in the United States, in New York. A mere six, seven-hour drive from Pittsburgh. And having moved to South Africa a while ago, and in many ways trying to adapt to the culture and this and that, still an American, and know many people growing up in Pittsburgh and living in Pittsburgh. It's, it's, it's to home. And specifically, as I've mentioned before on the show, the previous uh, massive attack on America, which was 9-11, was something I witnessed with my own eyes. I was in New York at the time, and I managed to actually not on the TV, but with my own eyes, watched the second plane go in and watched literally the change of Western civilization. I don't think I'm convinced that 17 years later, we still haven't remotely covered from what happened that day, and we haven't bounced back, and the world has changed in so many ways ever since that haunting day of 9-11. And here was the just three days ago the largest attack on the Jewish community in American history, which is just a mind-boggling thought. American history is hundreds of years, um, and there's been 
very difficult times in American history, but never before has there been such a massacre in a Jewish space and against the Jewish community in such a way. And this kind of news hits you to the core. Like I just uh, remember hearing on Shabbos afternoon, the news, and it was just incredulous. It was just like, are you kidding me? Pittsburgh? Like, Pittsburgh? It's a small, I mean, it's not small, but it's like a sleepy town (laughs) at the end of Pennsylvania, like Pittsburgh. And to be able to just process that has been very difficult. And I'll be honest, I, I don't really feel... Um, very ready to talk about it. I don't think that it's you can process something so quickly and um, being able to make sense of it. On the other hand, it's our call. The call of the hour is to always try to make some practical application, some lesson that we can learn from an event. And in no way do I think that whatever I'm going to say for the next 45 minutes can do justice to the, the the insanity and the evil of this event, and I apologize ahead of time um, for to because what I'm going to try to do is hopefully take one small little sliver of this story and just try to you know make it personal and analyze it and and discuss it and hear your points of view, but it definitely doesn't do justice. It's definitely not the full spectrum of the story. And it's just one perspective. And it's th- this event is once again, and I'm sure each and every one of us in our lifetime have had many such events where we just have to confront evil in the face. In other words, evil exists. And hatred exists. Now, for many of us, we like to imagine that That, that it just happens in isolation, that such an attack happens just because of one crazy person who decides to take a gun. You know, as of now, the attack seems to be a lone attack. One person with conspiracy ideas, a virtual anti-Semite, decides to go into a Jewish space of worship, kill people, and um, cause absolute destruction. It's easy to call this an isolated incident. It's easy to see this as just an episode of one person going crazy. But unfortunately, in our universe of social animals, nothing happens in isolation. Everything happens within a climate. And yes, it's often the the person who is, you know, disturbed crazy um, with stuff that they haven't dealt with that will maybe act out on the geistites of the time and will be the person who takes the conversation and brings it to application. But there's no question any of us who have any remote um, knowledge of what's going on in the world or spend even five minutes a day on social media to know that hatred in verbal form is in abundance. One of the things I think the the social media giants in the past two, three years, ever since 
the American election when it suddenly came clear that the American election was hacked and the follow-up conversation that you hear in numerous talks and articles and conversations of the people who kind of read the, led the Silicon Valley revolution. What's become clear is that a monster was created. I think when people created social media 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 15 years ago, there was this idealism that if only we could talk to one another, we would bring everyone together. So if we create social platforms in which everyone can share with each other videos such as YouTube or everyone could share posts on Facebook, tweets on Twitter, WhatsApp, etc., if, if we can connect people, then that connection will be virtuous and beautiful. And unfortunately, that myth has been busted very loudly um, that allowing human beings the ability of connection but without having a value system to guide that connection can actually be a destructive force. Bringing people together is not a good thing unless they're bringing people together around a good idea, around a positive cause, something virtuous. But bringing people together for the sake of bringing people together, bringing the world together is not a virtue. You could bring the world together in hate. You could bring the world together in bigotry. You could bring the world together in chauvinism and racism and xenophobia and antisemitism. Bringing the world together is not an ethos. It's only half a sentence. You're bringing the world together to what? And unfortunately, it's only after such destructive forces have happened in the past few years with the power of social media that suddenly the giants of social media and the world has come and wake up and say, very well. So we brought the world together. Has it brought us more united? Has it created a healthier world, rather? Has it created a more sane world? Has it created a more value-based world? And unfortunately, the answer is no. Because bringing people together, again, does not mean anything. On the contrary, it can mean destruction. The greatest despots of history, the greatest evil people of history, the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Lenins and the, the Maos, etc., they were very talented at bringing people together. I mean, you just look at those Nazi marches of the 30s. You know, they used to have these huge... A part in the word magnificent marches of hundreds of thousands of people standing in absolute German order and having and declaring in united form their vision for Germany. Tell me, did that lead to a better world? Does unity lead to a better world? No, only virtuous unity leads to a better world. Only unity that is based on true Torah. Values can create a healthier world. There's too many of us running around saying we need more unity, but too few of us asking the simple question, unity around what? Unity about what? What are we trying to unite around? Because just bringing people around the table doesn't answer anything. There has to be something on the table that we can all agree on, a baseline of conversation that can create a future healthy world. So yes, this murderer worked in somewhat in isolation to this own crazy act, evil act. 
But the climate that he was born out of is unfortunately not so innocent. And it wasn't an isolated incident. Rather, he built on a platform, the world platform today, where being spiteful and hateful is too easy, where free speech is seen as a privilege rather than a responsibility. But more on that after the break. I would like to play now a beautiful song called Altira, Do Not Fear. The song Altira, Do Not Fear, from is uh, from sudden um, terror, etc., is absolutely apropos to what's going on in our world. And I hope that this beautiful song can offer just a drop of comfort here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. You can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019 or SMS us on 34519. Just before the break, we spoke about the responsibility versus the privilege of free speech. I just touched on it, and I want to elaborate. Obviously, feel free to comment. We do believe in free speech. One of the foundations of democracy is the idea of free speech. Totalitarians hate free speech. That's why communist dictators always hated free speech. They persecuted free speech because the second people are able to say what they want, then the tyranny of the leader is weakened because a a revolution can occur and that person is power-hungry, the strong man, and is not willing to have anyone question their authority. So one of the revolutions of the democratic state in the past few hundred years on the most part Yes, there was a bit of it during ancient Greece, etc., but very, very different than the way we know it. One of the foundations of the democratic state is the idea that people can say what they want without fear of being persecuted. And that you only could, you can only build a democracy with that idea. But like anything in life, everything is double-edged sword there is a danger to either extreme. And the the danger of free speech is what people use the free speech for. What do they use that gift? And when I talk free speech, I'm talking figuratively because it's not only what you say, it's what you write. It's what you communicate in various different forms of communication. And in many ways, it's even what you think. So, let me clarify. In no way am I saying that there should not be free speech in a, in a dem- democracy. Heaven forbid. Free speech is a foundation, and it has to stay like that. The state, the government should never interfere in people's statement. However, people have to interfere in their own thoughts. In other words, each person that has the gift of free speech has to realize that it's a gift and a responsibility. Like everything that's given to free man, if we abuse it, it can destroy. Think about it. In free societies, do you know that there's higher rates of suicide in free societies? There's higher rates of addiction in free societies. Why? 
And again, let me clarify, I'm not saying that not being free is worth it, heaven forbid. But what I am saying is when you give a person freedom, but the person does not have the tools or has not developed the ethos to allow them to cope with the freedom, allow them to make sense of the freedom and allow them to use the freedom responsibly, they can use the gift of freedom to self-destruct. Because remember, the definition of freedom is you can do whatever you want. So whatever you want is quite a spectrum. You can be holy and have incredible character and virtues, or you can be destructive, pathetic, and have no virtues at all. That is how big the spectrum is. You can be the shooter that goes into the Pittsburgh synagogue and kills, or you can be the policeman who goes and risks their life, and four policemen were injured, you could be the policeman going in to save people you don't know, but because that's your duty and that's your responsibility. Two human beings, each one making very different choices in life, how to play their lives out. You see, it's too easy to say that evil people are a different kind of human. It's like they're not like us. For many years after the Holocaust, people tried to label Nazis that way, like different kind of humans. I remember growing up with legends that Nazis and Hitler were demons, etc. All these kind. Why? Where, where do they all come from? Because people cannot make sense of the fact that a human being that pretty much looks like us, eats like us, etc., etc., pretty much has the human spectrum, can go that off the rails. So what do we do? We sit there saying, eh, they're beyond the pale. They're beyond the pale. But unfortunately, their actions are beyond the pale, but their humanity is still human. They're still a human being. And therefore, they have to serve as lessons. Because if you say that the person is off the rails and is not even remotely within the same realm of humanity as us, then there's no lessons to be learned. That's, a, that's an oddball. That's an outlier. That's the crazy one. But if you can see that it was just different choices made, that this individual made choices that slowly but surely allowed them to become radicalized and to become a virtue, a virtualent anti-Semite, to eventually pick up a gun and go kill people as old as 97 – there was a progression there. And that progression is really what I want, what I'm talking about today. And that is when free speech is abused by a person and when we don't see democracy working in tandem together with virtues. In other words, if you have freedom without virtues, you don't have freedom. You just have anarchy. And anarchy isn't freedom. And it's something that we talk about at a different time of the year, and that is between Pesach and Shavuot. Sorry to just like forward you. It's only five months, six months left to Pesach, so it's time to panic, of course. Um, go do your shopping now before the prices go up. Pesach is freedom. But right at the second day of Pesach, we start counting down to the next holiday, and that is Shavuot, the giving of the Torah. The principles. Why? Because Pesach without Shavuos, freedom without virtues is not freedom. That basic premise is the understanding, the Jewish understanding of democracy. That democracy only works when there's values. And therefore, if we're absolutely honest, the West, 
which was based on those values, was at its strongest when it had democracy and values together. But in the past few decades, ever since freedom was seen as the ultimate virtue and therefore there is nothing that can't be questioned and nothing that – no value that is worthy holding on to because everything ancient was primitive and everything modern is beautiful, so went the philosophy. Ever since then, I'll be honest and most people will agree that the West has lost a lot of its luster in the, in the eyes of the world but most importantly in the eyes of themselves. Interesting that a lot of the comments that came out after the Pittsburgh massacre was what's happening to our America, what's happening to our America. Many people saw this seemingly, this lone attack as something much more symbolic of the decay of a society. And obviously you could agree, disagree, but there's no question that the when you think of the great generation, it's called the great generation, the World War II generation in America, in South Africa, in Britain, etc., the people that literally fought for freedom and the values that they stood for versus our generation and the the lack of clarity of what we're fighting for and what we stand for. It's, it's, it's a downgrade. For me, it puzzles me how such a dangerous philosophy such as Nazism was able to be one uh, – uh, uh, there was a victory from the West in a relatively short amount of time. I mean, let's be honest, in that short amount of time, the Nazis did a tremendous amount of destruction. And yet, so much of the radicalism of today, we seem to just be going from crisis to crisis without any solution, without any clarity what we're fighting against and, more importantly, what we're fighting for. There is a, a void in virtue in, in what to fight for and what do we stand for today. What does it mean to be a Westerner? What does it mean to, to be someone that believes in democracy? And unfortunately, what do we see in democracy is that the strongman mentality – is getting successful again. And, you know, this is not in any way a conversation about whether the current American president is good for Jews or not good for Jews, etc. But there's no question that the election of a person that talks a strongman mentality, whether in the United States, whether now in Brazil, across Latin America, across Europe, is at least part of the story is the need of people to find simplistic solutions for complex problems. And when somebody offers them a simplistic solution, they go running to it. Again, that comes when we actually don't know what we stand for anymore and therefore we're so confused and all we wait for is somebody that offers a simple answer. And unfortunately, the politics in this country as well often goes there where complex problems of legacy and and decades of injustice, etc., are often compartmentalized into simple sound bites, and those sound bites seem to be the answer. And if you buy into the side sound bite, then you vote for this party. If you buy into a different sound bite, you often to the, you, you vote for the other party. But never is truth so simplistic. Never, truth isn't simplistic. The answer to our problems is never simplistic. The democratic idea, the idea of the West, the idea of what it means to live in true democracy is not a simplistic idea. It took centuries, centuries and millennia of human thought and human endeavor and the study of the Torah, etc. Because as we know that so much of the West is based on Torah values, it took centuries of human intelligence evolution, the evolution of human intelligence 
and human idea and human morality until the idea of what it means to be free came forth. Freedom is something that's almost unnatural to the human condition. It's such a modern phenomenon. And it worked unbelievably when it came with the values of freedom because freedom is an idea based on values. But unfortunately, when you have freedom with no values, it's just anarchy. Try to run a school without rules. Try to run a family without rules. Try to run any organization without rules. And unfortunately... What's happened in the world of social media, in the world where everyone can post and say whatever they want, when they want, how they want, without any sense of responsibility for the words that come out of their mouth, unfortunately, in extreme circumstances, leads to what happened in Pittsburgh. But I'll be honest, even if, it, even if Pittsburgh had never happened, the hatred out there is insane. Recently, I watched a, a YouTube video of a, a girl that went to travel to Auschwitz. And she, she's a blogger of, of travel. She goes all around the world. And she decided to go hop over to Poland for one day and travel to Auschwitz. And very, you know, meaningful eight-minute, ten-minute video. And I looked down to see what the comments are, and the comments were disabled. And she writes over there, the reason I disabled the comments is because I saw – Many of the comments were totally disrespectful to the deceased in the concentration camps that I just felt like we have to have minimum dignity to all those victims and therefore I'll erase, uh, I'll disable the comments. And I know that's not an exception, but it hit me very hard where a video of a concentration camp which killed millions of people can evoke within some people hateful comments if Auschwitz, if watching a video of a gas chamber can still get somebody to say something hateful about the victims, about Jews, about anything, then that's trouble. That, that's, 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 I don't even have a word for it. That's, that's evil. It's evil. Unfortunately, today, the, the, the word Holocaust is used by every person that tries to, you know, label another person as evil. Oh, they're causing a Holocaust. <sighs> Words are too cheap. And I'll be honest, in a much more subtle form, in our own community, allow it to just make it a little more personal. In our own community, obviously, there's nobody that can do something like that. But let's be honest, we're often a bit too easy with our tongue. We'll pass on rumors too easily. WhatsApp groups have brought families together but destroyed communities in many ways. Why? Because all you need is one rumor to come out there. I mean, in India, they've had many cases recently where mob justice was done to a person who somehow someone accuses them on WhatsApp of something wrong and suddenly people are killing the person. When... We don't take the responsibility of our mouth and our fingers, our writing, seriously enough. We can cause a lot of havoc. Sometimes it just boggles my mind how quick we are to spread rumors. You know, I used to grow up with a, tr a truism that went, when there's smoke, there's fire. But unfortunately, having listened to so many rumors out there of various people about various things, I've stopped believing it. Often, when there's smoke... There's just a bored soul that's just trying to cross chaos. Often when there's, bo when there's smoke, 
there's just somebody who is trying to destroy somebody else. Often when there's smoke, there's just hatred. Not always when there's smoke, there's fire. Not every rumor you hear is even remotely true. Sometimes it's pure evil. We have to take the responsibility of our speech a little more seriously. Democracy is a gift. But more than it is a gift, it's not it's a responsibility. Let's take it seriously. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is 101.9 High FM. Hi, Rabbi, would you be able to dedicate today's learning in the memory of Yitzchak ben Herschel and for a speedy recovery to Esther Batsara? So, tonight, please God, I jet off to my hometown, to New York. And have the tremendous opportunity of joining what I'm sure you, you've seen on social media, the good aspect of social media. You've seen pictures throughout the years of 5,000 rabbis standing on pyramids outside in a building in Brooklyn. What's called the yearly kinos, the Chabad conference of shluchim, of emissaries around the world. Large representation from South Africa, but across the world. And over there, I'll bump into my friend from Ghana. And my cousin from Alaska, and the other cousin from Shanghai, and a bunch of other relatives and friends that, you know, that dot every corner of the globe, over a hundred countries and every state in the United States. And there's something for me very meaningful that the weekend after this terrible tragedy is the weekend of the greatest unity, when the representatives of the entire Jewish world come together for one weekend a year, what's called the Kinnos, and share ideas, celebrate, prepare a vision for the coming year, and reconnect with the core mission of making the world a better place. It's something that personally um, is very exciting. I haven't gone to many such conferences. It's the only second, the only second such conference I'm going to, and the idea that to be part of a group of people who dedicate their lives in the most incredible ways to spread light and goodness for me is such an antidote, such an almost polar opposite of the evil out there. And thanks to Lubavitcher Rebbe's vision of creating an army of people, couples, families across the world who just every day ask themselves one simple question, not how do I bring the world more together, but rather how do I make the world a better place? And one of the things of being better is obviously being united towards good. But as mentioned earlier in the show, unity without goodness is not unity. It's not good. But good unity is incredible. And what this this group of people, these 5,000 families around the world and so many of their friends and so many of the listeners, so many people out there who have bought into this vision of chasing light, chasing people with love. The words of former Chief Rabbi Sachs, if the Nazis hunted 
Jews with hate, then the Lubavitcher Rebbe's vision was to hunt people with love. And therefore, we go to all over the world. I have a friend in Portugal, and I have a friend in Saskatchewan, Canada, and everywhere in between. And as human as anybody else, I grew up with these guys. <laughs> um, we were, you know, regular people with foibles and stuff and issues to deal with and difficult adolescence, whatever, regular human beings, but have decided to dedicate their life's purpose to something bigger than themselves and ask themselves, where am I needed? What What difference can I make? And go to often wonderful places, but often very difficult places. And even the wonderful places, you know, like being a shaliach, being a, a, a emissary couple in Bahamas might sound wonderful until you realize how in the world do you get kosher food and how do you give your children a Jewish education. So, you know, even that allure of going to, you know, exotic places loses it allure very quickly. I remember speaking one time to a Chabad emissary in Hawaii. And, so, you know, like, could you imagine spending your life in Hawaii? But, yeah, you're 11-hour flight from New York. You have no education for your kids, and kosher food is not so easy, etc. And then you suddenly realize that it's nice for a week holiday, but it, to spend the rest of your life to commit your family to live in such a place is incredible. And in many ways, I'm grateful that, you know, I was positioned in a country like South Africa with all its blessings and the fact that my children have a great uh, support system, etc. I'm, I'm very blessed. And I look at my friends who you know, have a much more difficult and much more challenging um, job, but yet do it with a smile. That is the greatest antidote um, for the tragedy. And I'm sure I have no question that the kinos, the the conference will address the evil that happened last week and try to offer some, you know, light. Because as simplistic as the idea is, it's 100% true, and that is you don't fight darkness with sticks and stones. You fight it with light. And the greatest antidote to evil is light. The greatest antidote to murder is life. And unfortunately, when you start hearing people saying, gosh, why should I have children, bring children to such a crazy world? That is when we let the haters win. But when we believe that light can always overcome darkness, all you need is one match in a room of darkness that can literally illuminate the entire room. When we believe that darkness in the end will be vanquished, that death and destruction and evil will be eradicated from the face of this earth soon with the coming of Mashiach. When we believe that light will be victorious, in no way should terror attacks and evil make us despondent, but rather motivated to do our part to make this world a better place. Light is more powerful than darkness. And there is, despite what the news might tell us, there is still more light out there than darkness. There are more beautiful homes than non-beautiful homes. And there are more people doing good than people doing evil. And yes, each and every one of us has our foibles and has our mistakes. But if we ask ourselves in our own lives, there's more things we do good than do wrong. The world still is a beautiful place. And we should be motivated when we see darkness personified. 
we should be motivated to personify goodness and light. To go out there and just make someone's life better. To go out there and just make God's world a little healthier, a little more wholesome, a little more good, a little more united around something good. What do you think? This is 101.9 High FM, the Fabrengan Show here, every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon with Rabbi Levi Aftson and Craig here at High FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. I just want to finish with a call to action. In this week's Power Show, we're going to read about the young little Rebecca, who, according to some commentaries, at the age of three, married Yitzchak. And we're told that when she came into her husband's home, she brought back the miracles that her mother-in-law used to live with. And one of those miracles was that the candles, the Friday night candles, would last for a week rather than just a few hours. And Labaracharebo would focus often on this idea that a young woman already at three was lighting candles. And he would say that in our time, in our generation, we need more light than ever before. And he would encourage young girls, young as three and maybe even younger, to light a Shabbos candle, to take a candle and just make a blessing and bring more light into the world because that small little light that my wife and my daughter and my mother and my sister light every single week, as little as it seems, is so powerful in the eyes of Hashem and in the eyes of goodness. So a small little call of action is maybe even for those who you know, don't necessarily light Shabbos candles every week, that this coming Friday night, to combat evil, let's do something the opposite of dark. Let's light a Shabbos candle. Let's take a small little tea light or a beautiful, nice, tall candle and just, woman, please help us make the, help, not help, make the world a better place. And for all of us, Men as well. Hanukkah starts in just a month's time. Go buy your Hanukkah kit because that's the one holiday of light as well. Women get the opportunity to add light every single week. For us men and women as well, we get the opportunity once a year on Hanukkah where we get a mitzvah to make a blessing and light a candle. But let's fight darkness with the best tool in our, in our arsenal and that is light itself. Let us have light and joy and goodness and gladness of heart for all of us. May we be blessed that evil should be eradicated from this world. May we tip the scale, which unfortunately last week got some evil onto the scale of evil, on the side of evil. Let's tip the scale towards good. And in the words of Maimonides, bring salvation and help to the world with the coming of the righteous Mashiach speedily in our days. Wishing you have a great week. I'll be back here two weeks' time on 101.9 Chai FM. Have a great week and may light win. Finishing off with the song Tfilah La'ani, A Prayer of the Pauper by Mordechai Ben David here, 101.9 Chai FM. <laughs>